welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Unchurched. My name is Rebecca and I'm your host for the next half an hour or so. Today on Unchurched, we're going to be talking about love. I know we've been talking about um, forgiveness quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, started off with mercy, grace, and uh, forgiveness. But it all stems from, and I know I've mentioned it before, but you cannot have grace without mercy, um, and you can't have mercy without grace, and both of those um, lead into forgiveness, and you cannot have grace, mercy, and forgiveness without love. So, uh, now, here what we usually do is we ask the question on Unchurched as, um, well, what is love? Now, Love, oh, this is a big topic, um, because our language, the language that I am speaking happens to be English, which if you know anything about the language, English language, it is a mishmash, it's a conglomeration, and especially American English, of several, it borrows words from different languages and kind of cobbles them together and it adopts words from other languages and they become part incorporated into the English language. Um, a lot of people sit there and go, why do we have so many words that are spelled ridiculously? And it's because they have a French basis. Um, let's see. I believe theater is, uh, if you spell it with an R-E, is a... Um, <laughs> That's uh, that's more for the French spelling. Um, there are several words in our language that um, lend to to French, and then there's several um, words in our language that also um, lend to Spanish, as well as German, um, and also uh, Nord Nordic languages, which are um, happen to be considered Germanic languages as well. I I am not a linguist. I do not <laughs> sit there and study language or words. I do um, look at words quite a bit because being a songwriter, it is fascinating to me to go, oh, well, that word is interesting and it has a very interesting meaning. And so it's uh, it, it's and then to find out that it comes from a certain language and it's been adopted into English or that it's been comes from uh, from Mexican, like it's a Mexican slang term that has been adopted into English. We do have quite a few of our slang terms. Um, there are some slang words that are used that are derived from Dutch um, that we use. Uh, well, I would say that the American that Americans are fond of certain um, words because. <laughs> Uh, they use them as, ad there's one in particular that's used as an adjective, a verb, a noun, an adverb. Uh, I don't know what else it's used as. And everything, you can make an entire sentence out of one swear word and people think it's hilarious. Uh, but it is derived from a Dutch word that um, is has to do with farm life, which... Here we go there. And so that's that's where that I mean, there 
when you start looking into it, you go, oh, well, that's fascinating. Where did this word come from and how did it come to be? Um, I think in those terms, I'm like, well, why is this a swear word? Why is why is this? Why do we have two words that mean the same thing but are spelled differently? Or why do we have words that mean very different things but are pronounced the same and have different spellings? And it's because we have we the um, the English language is an ever fluid, ever moving, ever morphing language. And I say this because it's important to note because what we're going to be talking about is love. What is love? And what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to sit there and sing um, and bounce my head around to some song that I don't ever, that I'm not really fond of. <laughs> but um, but that is something that we need to ask. Um, what is love? Now, if you ask somebody what's love, um, they, they'll say, well, you know, it's this feeling, it's effervescent, it's a, it's a strong feeling of affection or attachment to someone or something. Or they'll tell you that it's this undying passion that they have for another person. Or they may say, you know, well, I don't know. And I've heard, I've heard people say that love is nothing more than a series of um, synapses firing in your brain. Chemical reactions. And it's nothing more than that. And that, to me, I when I, somebody... I, when, <laughs> When I asked somebody, well, do you believe in love? And that's what they came up with. And there was just this cold, dead, hard look in their face. I, was, I felt so sad for that person because that that's a person that doesn't believe that, that love exists. Um, and that's really sad to me because I know that love exists. Um, I know that love is more than a feeling. And I know that love is something beyond what we fail to describe with so many words, we have so many words at our disposal, and yet we use the word love to describe so many things. Like, I love ice cream. Ice cream's delicious, right? Um, you, people love pizza. I mean, pizza's good, right? I mean, there's lots of food that we say we love in this language. Does that mean that you want to marry that <laughs> <laughs> the said food item. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's lots of uh, there. Which, which when people say I love this or that, then it has opened itself up to um, a lot of like playground humor. And I'm sure that many of you have um, heard the expression, "Well, if you love it, why don't you marry it?" Um, because that's that, which indicates how ridiculous that we use the word love so loosely for so many different affiliations and affections and feelings and commitments that we make because the same kind of love that a person that should happen between a husband and wife is clearly not the same kind of love that you have for a melting ice cream cone. Um, and if it is, then either you're the love that you have for your significant other is shallow or you have a problem with ice cream and and we need to pray for you. Um, what there is a book because what I believe is that um, is that Greek language has um, 
the words in Greek, and it hasn't really changed much over the century, over the centuries. I mean, if you can believe that, it's fascinating because you, the ancient Greek, um, which the New Testament is written in, is still very much similar to what they speak today, which says a lot for the stability of the language and for the solidity of the definitions of of words that are used within that language. Whereas in the English language, when when I use the word gay, it automatically brings to mind um, the LGBTQ community and um, rainbow flags, whereas like over 100 years ago, if you said the word gay, it meant that you were happy and fun and carefree and that sort of thing. And so when you have that much fluidity within a language, oh, man, when you have that much um, temporal definitions and that it's so easy to move that it shifts that the definitions shift for words and that they're used in so so loosely is that you don't really have a firm foundation for um, delivering concrete and solid messages to another person and so that's why um, when you look within the Greek there are at least three words that are um, translated into love. They're different and they're distinctly different. Um, one of them is phileo, um, which is uh, similar to, um, it's, it's uh, where the word Philadelphia um, got its base from, is that phileo love, which is that Philadelphia is the city of uh, brotherly love, which um, means brotherly love towards another person. Um, storge is the um, nurturing love that happens between um, a parent and child. And then there's also a there's also eros love, which is um, the the affection that you have sexually for another person. And then there is um, agape love, which is a philanthropic type of love. It's a God type love. It's a love that really that a person has a hard time giving because it means to give um, graciously and with mercy and compassion above and beyond what a person deserves. And so uh, that, and I may be um, extrapolating there a bit, but agape love is a is God love, love from God, which is different and qualitative differently than all these other these other loves. Now it it's important to note if you really want to get into um, into it, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves, and he talks about um, these these words that are in the Greek and how they're used in the Greek. And it's because it's really interesting because because um, uh, Peter, when he's asked by Jesus, um, do you love me? Jesus doesn't use the same word love there each time he asks him. Um, uh, one of those times is uh, phileo. Do you phileo me? You know, do you love me as a brother? Well, then feed my sheep. Uh, do you agape me? Which, do you love me with the love of God? And, 
then feed my sheep. Um, there's, there's a, there, it's fascinating because these, these are important to note because it changes our understanding of the word love. It also, um, helps us understand how cheaply we use the word love. We use the word love to describe things on such a broad spectrum that it cheapens the word. So when you say, I love you to another person, are you saying that you love them with an agape love where you would sacrifice yourself for them, where you would love them um, above and beyond um, yourself? Or are you saying that you just have affections and feelings for them sexually? I mean, this really, like, so when somebody says, oh, but I love you, I mean, this is... It's, it's interesting because in the context, in our language, love can mean a lot of different things. And so it's important that we know how God wants us, how God loves us and how God wants us to love others. And so in order to really define love, now I know so a lot of you are going, oh, well, where's the definition of love? Oh, where is it? Where is it in the Bible? Oh, yes, it's in the Bible. And it is uh, quite readily handed uh, available. Oh, there's a definition. And I know lots of you who have um, read the Bible several times are going, oh, well, yeah, of course, you're going to First Corinthians chapter 13. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's where we're headed. We're, we're headed here. Um, so First Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read the entire chapter because I think that this is important. Now, this happens to happen. This chapter is surrounded by two chapters that talk about gifts of this of the spirit. Uh, and I don't want to get into that today. I don't think that's important. That's a topic for another time. But um, it is sandwiched in between two chapters about the gifts of the spirit. And in the center of it, is this chapter, which is chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, and he's saying agape here, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And now here is where the definition of love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So this is what love is. This is agape. This is what the God love is. If you're reading the King James Version, it says charity instead of love. Charity never fails. Um, is that you can say that the love of God never fails. That the love that the love of God is patient. That the love of God is kind. That God is not envious. He does not boast. And he is not proud. He does not dishonor us. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. And he doesn't keep any record of our wrongs. His love does not. God's love towards us, the agape love, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And God's love never fails. The agape love never fails. Now, I've... there was one point in time where I watched a video of um, I was flipping through channels and I think it was Maury Povich came on or one it, it was one of those talk shows and that are terrible and <laughs> there's really not a whole lot of good that comes out of them and there was this um, woman who was on there on this show and she was. She had done absolutely horrible and terrible things to this other person um, that was supposedly her friend. And she had um, cheated on on her, behind her back, like with her boyfriend. Um, she had lied to her. She'd stolen from her. She'd done all of these things that were just awful. And um, she's... But she... And... This girl is just, her friend is horrified that she has done all of these things because she's confessing to her and that this is, and, and, uh, and her friend is just horrified. And she's like, how, but she kept, this, this girl kept saying, but I love you, but I love you, but I love you. And I was like, and I kept screaming at the TV. I'm like, you don't know love. That's not love. You haven't been patient. You haven't been kind. You've done everything that has been, you've, you have dishonored your friend. You have sought your, you've only been interested in yourself over this thing. And you have kept a big, huge, long list of things that she's done wrong towards you. And you've delighted in doing evil towards her. And I just was like, you haven't protected her. You don't, she, I mean, you haven't hoped for her. You, the only thing is, is that you sit there and you tell her that you love her. What does that mean? What? Okay. So, so I'm sitting there going through this and I'm like, and I'm just like, this is, I, I just, I was like, I really hope that that girl learns what love is. And I wanted somebody like the host or somebody to say that, just say, well, this, how do you know that this is what you're, you keep saying you love this person, but 
um, they had nothing to like compare what love is. They had no thing, nothing for to for no definition of love to offer to show that this girl who had just destroyed her friend and her friend's um, life, uh, social life by um by basically trying to isolate her that um yeah she hadn't done i just it just made me mad but nobody was offering up this definition and i wanted the host to say well have you been patient with her have you been kind to your friend because you keep saying you know because this is what love is but you keep saying that you love your friend but have you done these things to your friend or have you dishonored her? And that's what I wanted. I that's what I wanted to hear, <laughs> but it didn't happen because those shows don't offer the gospel, and so I. That's why I don't watch them very often. And what and it, when I do, it's when it, I'm flipping channels and I'm bored and I should be doing something else. I'm just going to confess that right here, right now. But um, yeah, it was like a few years ago that I came across that, and I was just appalled by the. One, the behavior, but not just that, but then the no offering of true love, of the God type of love through everything. So I um, I think that when, when we look at what love is and we look at like what God's love towards us is, that we can see how God, how God can offer forgiveness because he's patient with us. And when you're patient with someone, you're going to give them grace to move through whatever they're trying to move through. You're going to give them um, space to grow. You're going to give them space to improve. And you know that they're not going to improve right away. That there's a huge learning curve. And so there is patience involved. Um, that God is kind towards us is that when we do fall and we do make a mistake that when we do confess our sin he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's that is kindness right there he's kind to us he picks us up when we fall he picks us up when he when we stumble he's right there and he's like i'm gonna wipe you i'm gonna wipe you clean what what parent out there doesn't wipe off that when their child falls down wipes the dirt off of their hands and their knees doesn't wash them up when they've gone out and ran through a mud puddle do you not wash your child when they come in i mean that's that's kindness um god is not envious towards us um he's, he doesn't sit there and boast of um of every like the the things that he boasts of are the things that um is the cross which is like the most horrific thing that has ever happened and it's like this i i, I did this like if god's going to boast it's he boasts in um he doesn't sit there and go i made the universe like yeah we know god you made the universe but he sits there and he's like this is what i've done i debased myself for you like like he boasts in the weirdest stuff. Like it's like you're you're not boasting in that you made everything. You're boasting in that you made a way for us to know you. Like he's not that's not that's not being proud, that's being humble. 
that's being God is so humble that I mean, he's like he doesn't uh, doesn't dishonor others. He doesn't sit there and um, wave our dirty laundry in front of everybody is that he um, covers us and he hides us. And it says in the Psalms um, that that we can hide in the shadow of his wings, that we that he will um, keep us and hide us from uh, that. He won't let us stumble and that he won't um, that he prepares a table in the Psalm 23 he prepares a feast for us in front of our enemies. Like he's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm good to, to my, to my, to the people that I love. He's not self-seeking. He didn't do the whole thing on the cross and come collect us for himself. He did it for us. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that is amazing. <laughs> he did it because he loves us. Um, it's not easily angered. God's not easily angered. It takes his, he is slow, his mercy, he abounds in mercy. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And he keeps no record of wrongs. When he looks at us, when we've come to God through Christ, when he sees us, he doesn't see, he doesn't have this big long list and where we have to confess again all of the, all of our problems and go, hey, remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. You don't get to do anything good ever again because you've been horrible. He's like, if you confess your sin He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he doesn't see you with, he makes the choice to keep what you've done wrong the last thing to think about. He chooses to not think about it. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God doesn't enjoy um, falsity or falsehood, but he loves truth. He's always going to protect. He's always trusts that we will do the right thing. He always hopes that we'll do the right thing. And he always perseveres for us. And he will never fail. I mean, this is this is what God does for us. This is how great God's love is for us. And this is why he's able to forgive us. Um, and because he is love and because he is patient and he, because he believes that we will turn to him and do the right thing, that he hopes that we will do that, that um, he rejoices when we do, when we turn from evil and when we go towards truth, when, when, when we do that. So that's this is like this is the basis for grace for mercy and for forgiveness and when we look at that and we look at that this is what god has done for us when i offer forgiveness to another person i need to be patient with them i need to be kind i need to not envy them or what they have or what they're able to do 
I need to not boast on my accomplishments and not be proud, but be humble. Um, I need to not dishonor others. I need to lift other people up. I need to cover their sins um, when necessary. And I need to not seek my own way, but what's good for other people. I need to not be angered easily, but to temper my anger. Oh my goodness. I used to just like fly off of the handle about like, and every once in a while it happens and I'm like, why, why then I need to repent and ask for forgiveness because yeah, he keeps no record of wrongs. So when we forgive someone, we may have to make the choice to when we look at them and we converse with them that we don't keep in the forefront of their mind X, Y, Z, and one, two, three, and sub <coughs> sub point Q of what they have done to us. We need to let those go and treat them like a like a person and not dishonor them. We don't delight in evil or in evil things, but we rejoice with the truth. We should always look to protect others, always try to trust others, always hope, and always persevere. And try not to fail. Man, that's it. And that's, this is, this is hard to do because I'm not God, but man, I want to honor my father. And so I try not to fail, even though, and I say it, I fail daily. I do. And I try not to, but it, it happens. Like there's, there's many opportunities to walk perfectly, to walk and fall and stumble. But God never fails me. I may fail God, but God never fails me. And I may do a whole lot of things and not do things right, but God is there and he's patient with me and he's kind. And if he's kind and he's, he's patient with me, then I should extend that same kindness and that same patience to, the, to others around me. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, if you would like to um, email me, you can at talk to me at unchurch.net. And um, I don't know, I may or may not be able to um, uh, get, get your email. <laughs> it depends on uh, what's going on in, on my world. But eventually I'll email you. That's, that's what really matters. Um, be patient with me is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, thank you so much. Um, pick up a copy of C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. I think it's a good one to, um, to, to look at. All right. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.